This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Who knew the Boys Life magazine would be the starting point in Stephen Bridges' career? The reigning three-time University Photographer Association of America winner has an interesting career path. From small-town newspaper photographer, joining the Marines along the way, and landing at the University of Tennessee. Do you remember when growing up, I would was part of Boy Scouts and we get these Boys Life magazines and it was always the back page was sell all this junk and win a bicycle. Every time I turned around before my parents knew, I signed up to sell stuff so I could get that bicycle. Instead, I sold just enough to get a 110 camera. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Hall of Fame baseball players comedians, college coaches, and legendary newspaper photo editor, Jim Colton. I mentioned the Lady Die cover. It was a Patrick de Marchelier black and white picture, beautiful picture that was on the cover. And I received a letter that somebody sent, you know, to the letters at Newsweek. And the letter said, Dear photo editor, if this picture is the best that you can do for Lady Die, perhaps you should think about working for Sports Illustrated. I swear to God, and I have this letter, and I still have this letter. So I, I was tempted, but I didn't write him back saying, thank you for your suggestions. I am working for Sports Illustrated now. The rest of my conversation with Jim can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Stephen Bridges. I've got myself... One of the finest people I've heard of. I can't find anybody that says anything bad about you. Damn it, Stephen. How are you? I'm outstanding in yourself. I'm good. I got you on the podcast. You, you're, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're Catholic, but I've heard a lot of people say you're pretty damn close to sainthood. <laughs> well, uh, sort of like the internet. You can't believe everything you hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you, my, my email went to you and not your junk mail. And it got lost in there with your uncle from Africa who wanted to give you a hundred million dollars, you know, for just an advance or something. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you responded and said you'd come on. Oh, I, I mean, I, it's an honor to be, to, to be on here. Oh, um, stop, stop. Come on. <laughs> uh, this will be the first, uh, podcast I've ever done. So I'm a little nervous, but looking forward to it. Really? Your first? My first. Holy that, moly. All right. So as we joked before we hit start, we, you said you wanted to speed the podcast up so people wouldn't have a problem yeah. with the with the Arkansas accent. I have a little bit of a draw, you'll notice. Um, you know, and, and you know your draw is bad when you grow up in Arkansas and they make fun of your accent. <laughs> so, yes, it, it, just go ahead. If you're listening, hit it on two times and you'll finish in the regular amount of time that everybody else does. Well, what am I going to sound like? That's the problem. Right. <laughs> go, go, go the one, go one and a half and split the difference. Right. I'll sound like I'm sucking helium. You'll sound normal. <laughs> so if, with an, with an Arkansas accent, is it, what's the difference between that and a Tennessee accent? Um, that's a good question. Some of the words we say are still a little different. Um, but it's if if a, if an Arkansas citizen rolled up to you, would you know immediately? Oh, that guy's from Little Rock. 
No. Okay. I'm I, I just Southern, but you know Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Know. Yeah. But it, it, it's still that Southern. It's just that Southern accent. Yeah. I love Arkansas, that one. I, go, I mean, you can't, you can't be from Arkansas and not have Arkansas pride. So right, right. <laughs> just like East Tennessee has East Tennessee pride. They'll tell you real quick that you're in East Tennessee and not West. Oh, really? They'll they'll shake it up like that and say, oh, damn wrong. We are well, East we, Tennessee. <laughs> we moved here and we said Tennessee. And they said, no, no, East Tennessee. So <laughs> um, Tennessee could be three states. We, we have uh, East, Middle, Nashville area, and then West. They could really be sort of defined by those geographical areas areas. Interesting. Yeah. So what was it like growing up in Arkansas for you as a young lad? Oh man, growing up in Arkansas, I I was raised by middle class blue collar family. Um we did everything ourselves. I mean, my dad had a high school degree that worked his way up through work just through hard work and that's how I was taught. Um, I did all the, the hunting, fishing, riding four wheelers, all the stuff. I still lived in more of the city areas. I wasn't necessarily a country kid. I didn't live on the farm, but I went out to those places and did a lot of that. So it it was, it was a great life. I can't, I can't complain about it. Siblings. Were you in the middle, the end, beginning? Where are you? I am the oldest. I have one little brother. Okay. Or should I say, I'll say now younger brother. <laughs> um, but no, so, and, and then, so it was just the four of us. I mean, we, my dad worked for the power company and we moved around the state a lot as he got promoted. We, oh, we really? Moved. So at a young, I guess because of that, when it sort of influenced me even now to how I interact with people because I had to make new friends every time we moved around sort of a lot like uh, some of the kids with military background. I just, I was in new school and then totally had to um, adapt and overcome. Wow. How many times do you think you moved by the time you were like out of high school? Well, I moved uh, right the week before third grade. I moved the week before ninth grade started. So going into high school and then the last nine weeks of my junior year, I moved to a new high school. And uh, basically had my senior year with a different class. Whoa. And then I uh, spent about a year there before I went to college. But and, and I will say where I graduated high school from, I moved next door to my um, my now wife. She was my next door neighbor in my senior year of high school. Oh, well, that worked out well then. Thank goodness. Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah. No. <laughs> she, she's my best friend. She was always my best friend. And we didn't start dating until like years later. But yeah. Thank God she, your father didn't move away right as you met her. That would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, where about, see, I only, I've only been to Arkansas, you know, to Little Rock. Whereabouts in that state? Because it's an odd state. People don't really, you have to kind of go to Arkansas. You don't, you know, it's not a family trip where someone says, well, let's go see, you know, Bill Clinton's library and we're going to Arkansas. So whereabouts were you growing up in that state? I I love to say now I grew up everywhere but the northwest corner, which is where the Razorbacks are. Okay. And they are my least favorite team, even though that that makes me the most un-Arkansas thing to say. Um, yeah. 
Are you a Central Arkansas guy, or what's the? Uh, I graduated from Arkansas State, okay. which is in the East Corner, so therefore I support my alma mater. That makes sense. And but I grew up in Little Rock, the Central area. I moved to South Arkansas and went there for my whole middle part, that third through eighth grade. Then moved back up just north of Little Rock in Searcy. And I was there for my senior year. Then I went to school in Northeast Arkansas, which is Jonesboro. Wow. So, but Arkansas is a small state with yeah. everything branching out of Little Rock. Everything's a couple, two or three hours away from Little Rock or say three hours away. And so all the high school sports, you knew all the classes and you played and you traveled all over. So unlike Tennessee, where we have three sections, you live in there, you know, so you know somebody connected to some area or something about it. Right. We've got a county in, in California, San Bernardino, that's bigger than Arkansas. It's like, holy yeah. moly. <laughs> so either that's a big county or it's a small state. You're not sure. I, I say a little bit of both. <laughs> when did you discover the camera? Was that something around the house? Oh, wow. Um, I can, I have sort of teased and said it started, I started out as a model because my aunt knew a newspaper photographer that needed a cute kid for the start of a subdivision outside of, in Little Rock. Um, obviously, I, the cute kid part worked. I must have been a terror because they never called me back. Um, or, or just so damn good looking, they didn't want to send you off to California and lose you yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go with that one. Okay. Yeah. It sounds better on the LinkedIn resume. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they, they, they went with George Clooney afterwards. Cause they're like, that kid's just so damn good looking. This kid, George will never have a career. Yeah. Right. They, they, they figured my accent was, it was even worse back then. So, you know, they, well, they probably couldn't have understood me. I, isn't he from Kentucky? I think Clooney's uh, from Kentucky. Is he? I think so. I think that's where he was born and raised. So he, he fakes his accent. So you should be just yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I can make it. Make it. <laughs> it's uh, never uh, too late, uh, Stephen. It's don't give up on your dream. <laughs> uh, uh, I've learned I'm better behind the camera than in front of it. I promise. That That's when we're doing an audio podcast and not video one. Um, but uh, for, I will say I, I have been, um, aside from that, I've been around photography my whole life whether it I've meant to or not. Um, do you remember when growing up, I would was part of Boy Scouts and we get these Boys Life magazines mm -hmm. and yep. it was always the back page was sell all this junk and win a bicycle. Right. Every time I turned around before my parents knew, I signed up to sell stuff so I could get that bicycle. Instead, I sold just enough to get a 110 camera. <laughs> So I guess that's sort of a future forecast of how I was a, a bad business person and a better better camera guy. So I, I, I went around and shot all kinds of stuff with 110 cameras. I really liked it. Then I got into high school. I got on the yearbook staff so I could, um, A, so I could take pictures, B, so I could know what was in the yearbook before everybody else did. I, I was just a little nosy like that. And uh Shot that. I, I was lucky to go there. We we had a New Year teacher, but I was teaching teaching myself stuff. I, I did not know what I was. I was a high school student in the nineties, early nineties. So uh, it's sort of funny. <laughs> Tell my buddy the other day. I was talking about the first time I shot a basketball game. Nobody's told me how to shoot a basketball game. I've told you uh, my dad was 
hard worker and raised raised us to be a hard worker. I go to the basketball game. I go to one end. I start shooting pitchers. And how be if the team didn't run to the other end to play defense? Well, I had to follow them. So I ran to the other end. As soon as I got there and took two pitchers, they came back. So I ran back. I spent the whole game running back and forth on the court trying to shoot both ends of the sports. I would have loved to have been a parent in the stand just sort of watching me. Um, then I went to your book camp. That okay, next hold on. You know somewhere there's a VHS tape that some father was recording their son Jimmy, and there's this kid running up and down the court on the sideline. They're thinking – Either that's the best goddamn student manager that there is out here, or someone let their special ed son out onto the court running around like a fool. I yeah. I would give a finger to get that VHS tape. I it, it's got to be out there, some team tape or something, because you know they were sitting there just wanting, like, look at him. He's, <laughs> he, 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 he's fixing to go again. Watch him. Watch him. And you know that they probably still talk about today. You remember that kid we saw that time? Oh, yeah. Down the sidelines? There's a high school reunion where they sit around and go, oh, man, you remember that kid? His little camera. He was all sweaty. <laughs> he's got to be working with Sports Illustrated now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. did nobody tapped you on the side and said, son, son, so, slow it down? No. No, I, I just I kept going. I went back and forth the whole game, just trying to make sure I could cover everything because I didn't I didn't know. Forget remotes. I didn't know you just sat there and let the game come to you at the time. Um, Heinz Klutenmeyer is smiling somewhere, sitting in his retirement <laughs> home. He's he's got a warm spot in his heart for you. <laughs> but that, that was my introduction to sports photography. Was I, I was half the sport. Oh my so, god. That's unbelievable. That might be the best story ever on this podcast. <laughs> we can end it right here. Steven, thanks for coming on. That was fantastic. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, tell me, what was game two like? And tell me it wasn't wasn't water polo. <laughs> well, no. uh, I don't remember much if there was any other game two. Um, I just knew I went to yearbook camp later that year, and they were talking about having certain positions and – where you get and sit in there. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that sounds like a good thing. But that'd be a lot easier. Hey, uh, why wasn't I invited to this camp a month earlier? <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was, yeah, that, it, that you, you know, you, you, you know, more. You, the more, you know, the better you do. And right. so that, that, I just chalked it up to there. Right. And you knew only what you knew. So you're going to bust your ass getting up and down the court doing your job. Yes. You, you, you uh, even the thing that uh, quote that Pat summit has that I have tacked up on my wall over here. And I've, I've mentioned it before. It is like, here's how I'm going to beat you. I'm going to outwork you. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. So that that's the way I was raised and what I was taught that, you know, no matter what, you may be better than me, but you're not going to outwork me. And that was proof in point that I was going to do whatever it took. Yeah. So, so where does it carry on from there? Is there any like, oh, I'll you know, high school yearbook and maybe school newspaper? Um, I was in there. Um, then, I, like I said, that was my junior year. My, I, I mentioned earlier that I moved to a new school. Um, that new school I moved to, 
they their photographer was a senior, and so I sort of stepped into the role as the main photographer or the only photographer there. Um, it was sort of funny that summer before my senior year, I went to that yearbook camp, and they said we probably have people here that do not know how to load film in their camera to people working with their town newspaper. So what did I do? I went home and I went to the town newspaper and said, I want to work for you. So they let me start shooting some feature stuff and a little bit of everything else. Then, uh, and I was on the football team, did all that, went through two days, went into two games into my senior year and realized, you know what? I suck at football. I'm, I'm standing here on the sidelines holding my helmet and cheering. And if I'm going to stand here holding my helmet, I might as well stand here with a camera. So I quit the football team and went and started taking pictures because in my head, I knew that our best athletes on our team were maybe going to D2 schools. And if that's as high as they were going, I really wasn't going anywhere with it. So I could make it farther with a camera. And um, I started shooting all the sports for my high school, for our local paper, uh, I would go shoot games, football games, basketball games. Afterwards, I'd go back to the dark room, process it, make prints so they could have it for the paper. Then I'd go cruise. Uh, that was sort of the life of my senior year. Wow. That's a big like decision to make. I mean, you sound like you're 30, not 17, when you decide you know, to make that life call. Like, ah, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time after school practice if I don't have success here. I see it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. That, that was at the time it just seemed normal. I didn't really think of it that way, but yes, I looking back at it now and and trying to tell my son what to look to do and everything else. It was a lot more mature than what I was for the age wise. Wow. Um, Yeah. That, that was a big deal. How was, was there any mentors around in high school that kind of like a, a good, school teacher anybody giving you kind of guidance no well i mean i had good teachers don't get me wrong but they didn't know photography per se right in fact i will remember uh for those that have developed film they'll they'll understand this problem probably when i say it but i was at going to the newspaper and i would do all my film and and process it and get it out and there was times and they would go through spells or it would be so so purple you could barely see through it well, I would ask them, what's going on? What's wrong? Because, you know, I didn't have the internet to search this stuff. And the people even at the newspaper, because it was a small newspaper, um, they were like, well, I guess you just messed it up. Well, I got to college and I found out it just meant the fixer was so weak that the fixer wasn't doing anything. So <laughs> I took it to the lab manager in college. They're like, yeah, this should have been fixed for like an hour because that stuff was so weak. It was diluted um, like 40 to 1? Like, well, and they, this paper, again, it was a small paper. They were using me as a high school student. They would, they started complaining when I was using four rolls of film. Uh, uh, I would shoot a roll a quarter for basketball, and they were they were flying my film. They were like, you know, if you can really cut it down, that that would be great. Um, so that fixer, who knows how often they changed it. Oh, God. Yeah, probably every major holiday. I probably never got <laughs> I'm sure there wasn't even a lab manager. It was just like an no. occasionally a guy would decide like, wow, it's pretty thin. Let's yes. <laughs> Jesus. Are you thinking going into college that there's a career in photography or are you still uncertain about your career path? 
No, I, going into college, I wanted to do photojournalism. Um, in that yearbook camp, I listened to uh, one of the speakers, uh, Spencer Tyree, talk about like living with the homeless and doing like an in-depth photo story of that and then shooting sports, which I love sports because sports couldn't be posed. No, I mean, yeah, if they saw me on, on, and they had a fast break and they were going to do a dunk, they could do it to that side. But overall, they, it had to be capturing that action. So when I looked at schools, Arkansas State was the only school in my state that offered photojournalism. And I did have one of my high school teachers that taught printing. He was in with the print people up there, and he sort of pushed me in that direction because of that. And I went there. Uh, to get, and I got a degree in journalism with the emphasis in photo. Okay. Basically, the only, as close as you could get to photojournalism. Right. I will say, uh, Missouri was just up the road from us, uh, which at the time was one of the top journalism, photojournalism schools in the country. But I had to pay out of state tuition, and they wanted good grades, and neither of those worked for me. I love the fact that, that that was the second one, not the first one. <laughs> you went money, and then maybe that GPA wasn't, you know, quite up to Missouri standards. But, you know, see, I, you're I a fun. good salesman. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I got a great car for you. Don't mind the flat tires. This baby is purely clean inside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. When when you tell mom and dad you want to go there and you want to study, you know, photojournalism, what are their thoughts? Um, my dad, being blue collar that he was, um, he his he always told us he goes, I don't care if you want to dig ditches, you're going to do it with a college degree because I've been passed over many times by people that didn't know much just because they had a degree. And so he wanted us to have a degree no matter what. Um, now, how they felt about that, I'm not real sure, um, but they supported me in in that endeavor. That's good. It, it, it did take my dad, even when I started freelancing, we'll get that later, it took him a few years to finally realize, when are you going to get a real job? Right. So, um, but, yeah, but he, but he also ended up respecting he's, that I'm, had done that for as long as I did because he's got, I mean, for the man, he was being, you know, straightforward, blue collar, getting her done, moving the family from one part of the state to another. And you tell him, dad, I want to take pictures for a living. He's got to kind of wonder like, what the hell happened to this one? (laughs) (laughs) Honey, something's wrong with Steven. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, it, 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 they knew it was a passion, so they they supported it. But yeah, it, it was a little it was a little different. I was saying one thing that I remember. I think my mom telling us like you know or talking about was you know his cameras are the same thing as your tool belt. Mm-hmm. That that's all. It's not just um, not just gadgets to have fun with. That's what he needs to do to work. Right. Yeah. He's so, not he's not out and, fooling around. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, I remember that going to get my first camera. They, they got me some Minota, whatever the good salesman behind the counter sold them. That was all automatic, uh, had DX encoding that it read off the film canister. Ooh. 
but that also meant that I couldn't push, push film because it only read the DX encoding. Um, and I kept it for about six months, and then I went and traded it for a Minolta X70 with a, a 70 to 210 push-pull Vivitar lens that's 2.8, and they were like, you had this nice, pretty new camera, and you traded it for that? But I was like, but it'll let me do what I need to do. So, um, and it all it all worked out. Right. That, it, <laughs> it's funny sometimes you don't need all them bells and whistles. No, no. It, it, it all boils down to, I was taught years ago um, by my buddy Joe Howe that it's just a light type box that you use to record light. It doesn't matter if it's a four by five or if it's a cell phone or if it's a DSLR, it, it's you're recording that light in that moment. So um, you've got to be able to use that and not, not just what, what you have. Right. Not about the gear. How was your first couple of years in college experience with photojournalism? Is that mind blowing to you or is it baby steps? Um, my first couple of years, I jumped on the yearbook first thing. And I told them I wanted to be a sports photographer, and that's all I wanted to do. In fact, I was sort of a little cocky about it. I've learned in life that you don't always have to be cocky. It gets you a little better if you're not. Um, but I I worked for them for about a semester, and then we mutually parted ways when they wanted me to shoot more than sports. Um so, yeah, I think they were probably as tired of me as I was of them. I shot some other things, but sports is what I wanted. And then uh, I sort of took a couple of years off, and I I had fun. That's part of what I was in college doing. Um, then I picked it back up my last, my junior and senior year. Um, I really I started to get serious. And uh, what, was that, what was that, I guess, step that made you kind of – reevaluate and get back into it and take it more seriously? Well, you get past your basic classes. Okay. And then, you know, okay. I, and I, again, I had shot all through high school. In fact, it was sort of funny when I graduated college, they're talking about get your tear sheets together. That's a big deal. Well, I had more tear sheets coming out of high school than some people had coming out of college uh, because I shot week in and week out of sports. Uh, but I just realized it's like, okay, it's time to get serious. This is what I'm going to do for my career. Mm -hmm. I I need to to do it to the best of my ability. Um, And and I got after it. My professor put me up for when we have our, we had our Arkansas college media uh, awards. He put me up for photographer of the year, my junior year. And I ended up winning it. I was really surprised. Uh, And that probably helped motivate a little bit too. So um, I did that. Then my senior year, and, and throughout college, I would find ways to work my way into different situations. I cover when I was in college, uh, Bill Clinton came back and dedicated our library. Um, and as a freshman, I talked my way into probably because I don't know if I had press passes through my newspaper. I, I was able to get in and, and part of the press and photograph that. I will say I learned some valuable things with that uh, that assignment. They, if you covered this type of event with the pre- when the president comes, you know that they put you way in the back. 
And then I was sitting back on the back stands behind everybody. I see this group of photographers come in right before the president and with these big lenses is all I knew. And then like kneel down right in front of the stage. I was like, that's crap. That's not fair. They got all that big stuff and they're right on top. So um, about halfway up through his speech, I decided I'm going to get down and get a little closer. So I snuck down off the stage and I like easily was creeping along the middle of the, the aisleway just to get closer about halfway down the aisle, a hand reaches out and grabs me and says, who are you and what are you doing? And uh, so Secret Service that was planted in the middle decided that that was as far as I needed to go. Um, but from there to uh, the Bulls played a game in Memphis. They were playing an a, a exhibition game. I called. This was in 97 when the Bulls were hot. And I said, hey, I want press passes. And I talked them into letting me get press passes to the Bulls game as a student. I had no reason to be there. I'm not with an outlet. I'm not with whatever, but I was able to get in. Um, and then uh, I had, when I also was in college, I talked my way. I went down to cover the uh, execution of, a, of an inmate that happened to be from my county. And then I ended up being a witness to that because I was from the county. So I, and with that and, on a somber note, I also, while I was in school, we had a school shooting in our in our town that I covered, and it it I was published. I sort of dropped school for a week and covered it with the national media, um, and I was published around the world because of that. Uh, I was like, if this is my job and this is what I'm going to do forever, I need to be in here. And what better um, experience is getting in there and working with the top professionals? Those four events are pretty amazing to decide I'm going to try to slide down and get close to the president. I'm going to go to another state to go shoot the bulls. I'm going to go see a prison inmate die and then cover a mass shooting. What was it that was it the love of photography and photojournalism that got you that to go? Or what was it that, you know, made those steps in your head go, I'm going there, especially to Tennessee or an inmate, you know, that's what's, what are you thinking? It, it was, that was a long time ago. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll try to paraphrase as best as possible, but you know, it, it was the love of photojournalism, but it was also, I knew that was my job and that's what I was going to be doing. And, and how can you not sit back and try to, and miss opportunity to get better at what you're going to be doing? Um, and or know that inside and out. Wow. Jesus. Which one, which one did you, of those four, did you learn the most from? Those are four very different kind of experiences to put yourself in. Um, it was, I learned a little bit of difference from all of them. Um, probably the most I learned though was the West Side shootings when I was covering that. Um, just because, again, we were in the middle of national, national media invaded our town and they were doing very unethical things, trying to get stories. And we were part of the locals trying to to cover and tell the real story or or in a polite way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was I remember coming home from I was at a memorial service and uh after I had to go and I photographed these kids crying and 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 to much understanding. I mean, it, it, it's a very sad, very sad time. 
Uh, I came home and told my roommate, I'm an a-hole. I was like, I, I don't. It was one of those that made me wonder, is this something I really want to do? Right. Um, but there's so many good stories that we get to work on, too. That And especially then, that was not the norm. And hopefully it's not something you want to do all the time. It is part of it. And, um, and you're, I looked at it as trying to raise awareness to maybe help from happening. Yeah. It's one of those events that makes you kind of be, get grounded you know, if you cover all the fluff and the ribbon cutting and a basketball game and you kind of forget to be out re- about reality and then you cover mm. something like that, a loss of a child or, you know, some kind of murder, robbery, something like that. And all of a sudden you realize, damn, what I'm doing, I am really involved in people's lives. This is not just a basketball game where nobody cares and goes home afterwards. Right, right. It, it, it's in... It, it just, it, it makes you really, and, and when you're seeing the stuff inside now, you can sit back and watch it on the news mm-hmm. and see all this horrible stuff happening. But when you're the person that's in their face or, or, or capturing, not in their face, but with a long lens photographing it, you, you feel it. Sure. You, you feel it in, in the, so, um, yeah, yeah there's a total disconnect when you watch it on TV, when you're at the event, feeling their energy. Totally different. Yeah. And that, that, that's what the, yeah, with the energy, it, it, it's completely different. Yeah. Especially so, if you're dealing that, with like parents and stuff who have lost a child. Oh my God. Jesus. There's, there's nothing like that energy in a room. Holy moly. No, no. And it, it, it's something that I, I hope I never have to feel. And I hope other people, if I could make it go away, I would, but it, it's, it's one of those things that is just, it was part of the job. Right. Now, go ahead. there's a little, there's a little caveat in this time between college. You decide to join the service, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, you're still sporting that good, clean haircut to this day. <laughs> what were you thinking? Cause you said you took a little time off. You know, most people go to Mexico and get a little wild, maybe a back tattoo of some, you know, Chinese character that's not spelled correctly. But you decide to get it high and tight and throw on some green fatigues. Yeah, um, I get it was in my I thought about it before. Um, I was lucky the recruiters when I was in high school, I said, I'm not interested, but if I am, I'll call you back. And they luckily didn't hound me. I guess my Avsvab scores weren't high enough that they felt like they needed me. But um, then I started thinking about it in between my two freshman years. Um, and then <laughs> I mentioned it, and my, my parents, especially my dad, was very against it, even being from Arkansas. Um he didn't want me to go. Clinton was in office at the time, and he didn't want me to go fight for a draft dodger. Okay. And so even though I'm, I'm raised very conservative and, and it's all right, the leadership was not right. And right. so there was a little bit of um, issue there. So and It's funny. That means something to, like, Dad. Yes. Yes. It's for somebody that grew up in the Vietnam era mm-hmm. and watched other people have to go. Right. Um, and he, he had – Signed, he enlisted, but then had medical issues while he was in that that sent him home. Were, um, are you? Is your was your dad and Clinton about the same age? 
Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So that really even makes even pisses him off even more because it's yeah. his generation. Yes. Yeah. So he had, um, so I came up, I said that that summer, that next fall, it never really left my head. And next thing I know, I'm at Matt's, uh, the weekend before the, the week that we released from school for Thanksgiving, my mom's calling my apartment, asking my roommate where I am because I'm not at home. And then he had to finally break it to her that, yeah, he signed up for the Marine Corps. He's leaving. Now, I was not I was not leaving that weekend, but that was a very uncomfortable Thanksgiving for our family. Dude. And then when they asked what job I had, I told them I was going to be a rifleman. And they were like, you couldn't even get a trade out of it. Um, Did did they put you at the kiddies table or were you still allowed to sit with the adults? <laughs> um, I, I think we were both sort of keeping our distance from each other that weekend. Uh, from what I remember, I remember my, by the time I got home, my grandparents were already at our house and it just was a very, very tense and not real happy Thanksgiving. Um, but it all worked out. And, and some of me going in, I was at the time I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. Um, career wise. Mm-hmm. And I was looking, I went into the reserves. I was looking at becoming an officer. Um, but I also knew that if I was going photojournalism and I wanted to be a war correspondent, if they did a background check on me and found out I was in the Marine Corps, that that I was hoping that would be a, a bonus. Right now, whether they really, they probably don't ever look at that could care less, but I was looking at, at those factors. Upside, uh, sure. I, will, I will say it's sort of funny that, I, I barely got in on a lot of different fronts. Uh, my hearing is bad. I have ringing in my ears. And then I also barely passed the, the colorblind test. So um, apparently when they give you the circle numbers, the little there's a bunch of dots in a circle with numbers in there. Yeah, I failed that. But they gave me another test where I had to look at like a white and a green and a red light. And I can tell the difference between those. So I, they said, well, you got a color perception problem. You're, you're not actually colorblind. Um, but there's a lot of things like that 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 um, almost, I almost didn't get in. And also made me realize why I missed that question on my photojournalism final of why the picture had a green tint to it. And I, and I didn't understand it. I was just being artsy. I had no idea that it was green. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Now, why the Marine Corps? I mean, I, obviously the Navy in a, in a locked, landlocked state's kind of silly, but why the Marines and not the Air Force or the Army or, for love of God, man, you got National Guard? At least you could have gone to Maine or something. You know, well, the Coast Guard or... <laughs> I, you know, I just got it in my head. I want to be a Marine. That's all there was to it. And I didn't care which one it was uh, or what I was doing. I just wanted to be a Marine. And, uh, and it, it was the hardest. It was, you do that, you can do anything. Damn. So that, that's, that's what I went for. And next thing I knew I was shipping out. And I took a semester off and went to boot camp and then came back. And, and the other thing was uh, with the reserves, I promised my, I, as I said earlier, my dad was like, I don't care if you dig ditches, get a degree. 
So I did that so I could possibly go to officer candidate school or active afterwards. Um, but I was going to finish my degree and make that feel that promise to my parents. What was the most difficult time there in that boot camp? Uh, was there ever like, damn it, it, I really kind of like my dorm <laughs> or my apartment or my roommate? <laughs> I, I, I miss uh, I miss my girlfriend or, or dating. Um, I, it, I, worst part, it all sort of sucked. I mean, it was not, it wasn't just fun parts of it. I, I do remember right before we graduated, uh, talking about a a good part was we were standing in formation and the, the, the class force was about to graduate. And all of a sudden we get this like whiff. And even though we're standing at attention, all just waiting, we're all sort of cutting eyes at each other. And there was a, it was graduation day and some family was walking not far away and we could smell the girl's perfume. And we had been so far removed from that for three months <laughs> That it, it it was really bright in our day, just knowing what what was the wait for us when we got out. <laughs> I, I've never thought of it that way, or thought of it. I've never been that far away from women in my life. To all of a sudden you smell beauty and you kind of, oh <laughs> my lord, these last sixteen weeks, <laughs> what am I doing here? You yes. guys smell. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the stuff that that you can pick up. When it hadn't been around for 15 weeks. Oh, my goodness. Was was your thought any kind of, I mean, you went in rifleman. Was there a thought of if you're doing your reservist time to continue photojournalism in the Marines? I, I'd sort of thought about it. Um, more anything, it was like to become an officer. Okay. And um, with that, you don't get to pick your job. It's sort of depending on what where you finish in your class and what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was in the mid nineties. Uh, so I really wasn't per se, if I, if I could do that, that would be great. Unfortunately, when it got to that point uh, to enter OCS, I went to to do that, but my hearing had gotten worse. And so I failed out when you go into OCS, you have to go as you've never been in before. And when, when you're carrying a saw or an M16, and your earplugs fall out on range 400 out at 29 palms or the live fire ranges we were running. You don't stand up and say time out. I need to pick up my earplug. So, um, and I got a little hard headed, especially after that. And I just wouldn't wear them. Um, so yeah, my hearing got worse. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, you, you were, you went in in 96 after desert storm. So those things have calmed down, but you get, you, you, you get out after September 11th. So you had this weird period of like people were all hyped up from the desert storm and now yeah, we've liberated, you know, Kuwait. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose at the end of your run. Right. My God, man. <laughs> I, I actually, um, which we thought our CEO was very in tune with what was going on in all over. It was a history major, and and kept up. So there was many times we thought we were going to Bosnia or all these other places in between. There was a lot of stuff that happened even when we were in with the bombing of the USS Cole. Um, and, and wasn't there, to, well during your time too? 
maybe it was just before. No, maybe that was before when the original bombing of the Trade Towers. I think that was like 93, 94. I think that was just before. Yeah. But was, there was a handful of things that were going on where we thought that we, we were ready to go. And I was lucky we had an amazing unit um, that we we had a great unit that stayed prepared. And, and the base we're at, you get a bunch of – redneck Arkansas guys together and, and we put it out and the way we trained, we were able to go out the field immediately. As soon as we would come in, we would be humping out the field and running tactics all weekend. And, um, we, we stayed on top of it, but I got out. So fast forward, I, I got out of, was checking out of my unit on September 11th of 2001 because that was my one month anniversary of being married. We were moving to Knoxville. I had already, um, we had already signed the lease on apartment. We're moving here on the 15th. So um, it, it was, I still had inactive time that I can be recalled and go back, but I was, that was my checking out of my unit on the end. Wow. But I, I don't want to skip past, I know we right uh, right other stuff, but that yeah, that was part of did the part of my life. did the Marines help focus you back into college to kind of guide you to get your shit together and focus? They they helped me have focus. Um, I'm still. <clears throat> it's funny I'm in higher ed now because I, I'm not like a a book person. Um, it did help give me the discipline when I needed it. And I applied it when I when I need to have it in that. All right, it's time to dig down and, and knock it out and do this that I may have not had before. Right. Um, there was also times and I've given and um, I had one teacher that if he liked you, he sort of didn't pay attention to some of your stuff. Uh, he might that could influence your grade. And he was also had a, like a wreck of an office. I had a friend go in. He told me if he could find this paper, he had an A. And this was towards my my junior year, senior year. And uh, I had him for two classes. I had a 10 and, pe- 10 and 15 page paper due. Uh, I really didn't want to do them. I hate writing. I just, I wanted to take pictures and I ended up blowing them off. I had an A in one class and high B, maybe a low A in the other. I thought, well, if I fell them, He'll at least give me like a D or C and get out. Well, he failed me in both classes because I just didn't turn in the papers because I, again, I, my focus was on taking pictures, not doing the other stuff. Um, but then I had to turn around and dig down deep and I retook the classes and did the papers and I I gambled and I lost. And, and that was, I didn't go wine to him. I I took a gamble and, and, and went with that. When you're leaving school, what's your game plan? I left school. I I was lucky enough that the job in El Dorado, Arkansas, uh, was a town that I lived in while growing up. When I said I moved to South Arkansas, their newspaper had an opening. And I was very involved. Even in when I was in college, I was involved in part of the Arkansas Press Photographers Association. As a, as a senior in college, I, was a, I held the – Maybe it was – maybe when I started in college or just after, I was a, I was a treasurer for the group. Okay. So as a student, I was very involved. And the main newspaper editor uh, for the paper in Arkansas helped give me a recommendation, and I got a 
a job in South Arkansas before I graduated. They, I just had to, I went down there and started as soon as I finished. Now I had had with that, I, I mentioned I had two college photographer of the year for Arkansas college media. I had a decent portfolio. What I thought at the time for at least coming out of that right. school in that area. Um, I was no Western grad or Missouri grad, but also the experience I had, I thought I was, I had a really well portfolio. How big was that first paper? Eldorado. Was it, it was daily. It was daily. Um, Bulldog or morning or when was a, when it was come out morning, daily morning. And then our Sunday issue was, and we, and we were seven days a week. We were like maybe 10,000. Okay. Color front page or color Sunday. Color front page, color sections on Sunday. Uh, I was uh, the crazy thing was there, which a lot of the the papers in Arkansas were really big on feature hunting, mm-hmm. and especially being, I did everything in a small paper. If it was news and broke, I, we were there. There was myself and one other photographer, and we rotated shifts between nights and days, and like every three weeks we would rotate around. Um, but high school sports. Um, Rotary Club speakers, Pet of the Week, you name it, we did we did it all. Um, and then, but we one thing we had to do is we had to find two features for the every paper had to have two features in the front. So we were constantly roaming and looking for features. Um, my my partner Jim, he was sort of known as the we called him the dirt photographer because if there was construction, he was going to photograph it, and that would be his. I was sort of known as a kid photographer because I was going to go find some cute kid playing at a park and, um, and photograph that to me, not only was that, uh, just sort of, you could get in and interact with them and, and, and the people, but also, um, we could sell the pictures, the, the pictures we sold, we got to keep the money. Oh, so kid pictures sold better than, than dirt pictures also. <laughs> Uh-huh. I see what you're doing there. You're trying to work the parents over for a couple of bucks and some photos of the park. Jim's stuck at a construction site with some guy named Earl who's not going to buy his bobcat photo at all. I will say, I, I photographed a, a, a construction site once, and I came back to it, and apparently I photographed him without all their safety zone, and OSHA came oh, and Jesus. talked to him about it. That's great. Yeah. Now you're doing investigative work. It goes from feature hunting to like you're breaking stories. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they made, they made alarms after that when I came around certain construction sites. Yeah, I bet it wasn't a cat call. It was a different kind of whistle. <laughs> yeah. Here comes that SOB who got us in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. Hey, you're just doing your job. It's on them to wear their steel toe boots and their helmets. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. Their safety is up to them. As long as they feel safe, I'm comfortable with it. And I've sort of told the same thing. I've sort of got. I've been told that myself. I've been some places where they're like, they. Uh, some of my clients have been like, "You really aren't supposed to be up there." I'm like, but it'll make a great picture. I'm fine. I promise. I mean, what's the worst that could do happen, you know, just fall from a crane. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, how did you juggle your, you know, was it every other 
or every month, every uh, weekend a month, you had to bolt out and go somewhere. How did you juggle that with your newspaper life? Uh, they are, I just said, I need to be off here. Right. And then um, that's all there was to it. And sometimes we'd work the schedule around. That would be my two days off that, that during that week. Um, and then in the summer, we had to do our two weeks. And then I volunteered for a lot of stuff. I went to a couple of different extra things that were longer. Um, we did a, a joint exercise in Albania where we were helping give protection to uh, with some other countries as they built a bridge. Okay. Um, I'd signed up for six months in G- at Gitmo uh, to, to be do security there, but that got pulled and went to another, another unit. Um, yeah. So, but they were, they were, they were great to work with me. I will say my job also, that was ended up sort of being my vacation a little bit because my, my job, you had to work there a year before they, you would get a week of vacation. Oh, wow. So, uh, I worked there a year and that was also about the same time I got engaged. And so I saved my vacation for the last week of that second year. And then I took a week of the third year so I could have two weeks off. So I worked with two years without a vacation other than when I got, I did stuff at Marine Corps, which that really wasn't run, running ranges in, in the middle of the desert. It wasn't exactly vacation. That wasn't the best of times. I'm sure <laughs> it, it was afterwards. We, we can laugh about it now. What was the thought process then for you to leave the paper and decide you wanted to freelance? Well, okay. So I was getting married. I was in the newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Getting married. I was in newspaper. She was in the medical field. I was like, where do you want to go? (laughs) Your job's a whole lot better than mine. Um, She had looked at the town I was in and decided that she did not want to live there. Um, which is understandable. In fact, when I moved back, some of the kids I grew up with said, you got out of here. Why did you come back? Um, but it, it's a good town, but it, it is it, it is South Arkansas. Um, so we decided, I worked, we got married on August 11th. We went to New Orleans for our honeymoon. We drove down from Arkansas to New Orleans. She had a job interview in Knoxville the following Friday. We drove up to Knoxville. She found an apartment, or we found an apartment after she accepted the job. We drove back. We lived four hours apart. We moved her her stuff down to me. And then at that point, um, I went back. Because that was the third week of my vacation, I worked one day to make sure they had to pay me for that vacation. And then I turned in my two-week notice. And we packed up and moved to Knoxville the week of September 11th. Uh, they did not have an opening in the newspaper, so which is what I really wanted. Um, but we also knew that they had the Tennessee Volunteers here. I wanted to be a sports photographer. That was a chance to be in the M for sports photography. And I would just try to, I would start working for myself. And <clears throat> luckily, she had a good job with benefits and was able to support me while I was trying to um, get my career started. Was there, was there any fear on the business side of it thinking now, okay, now I got a a deal with, I got to get a laptop or a computer. You're kind of caught in that situation between am I 
late film, early digital. Where do I dive into? Digital cameras back then were expensive. Not that they're cheap now, but you know, when you're making, not making any money, they're really expensive. So what was your thought process business side of freelancing? Oh, that, that's a good, I hadn't really thought about that in 20 years. Um, <laughs> that's because yeah, you no, tried that, to wipe that, it from your memory of the pain. <laughs> that's called trauma, Stephen. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it was a weird time because I was still film. I didn't have a digital camera. That was back then. It was a big deal because the with the DCS six twenty and five twenty, they were like fifteen grand, and they were everybody was talking about it. it was a great deal. They were dropping them to eight grand because the new D one whatever the Nikon was was five five thousand. Um, I shot I shot film for a little while, um, and I was working with the the newspaper side of the news side of the newspaper. And then uh, eventually moved over to the marketing side because they paid better. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hours were a little more normal. And so I did that. I eventually, they had the Canon, was it D30 at the time or 10D or one, one of those, the early ones. Uh, I looked at it, but it had a shutter lag. When you press the button, you had to wait a few seconds. Um so I got on as soon as the Canon 1D was announced, I got on the list at three different camera stores to to be able to get that. They called me April 1st. I can remember that for sure on in 2002 and said, we have a camera. If you want it, we need to know now because otherwise we're going down our list. And I, I said, okay. And I'd already had to work out my parents. I had a loan through my parents and um, I called them up and said, Hey, I need the money. And I, that, that was when I bought my first digital camera. Wow. Jesus. And <clears throat> I remember one guy at the newspaper because we had to shoot Chrome mm-hmm. for the advertising side. And he told me that, that, that camera was not worth making a four by six print. And uh, I made wall size posters with it, so it, it ended up working out. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. People think, oh, you know, why would we leave photography? If we, if if you had a clear head and you thought back, what it was like making that switch from film to digital, the pain, the cost. I mean, when I bought my Nikon F five, it was. $2,800.96. That thing was the gold standard. It was a fantastic camera. Then they start telling you, well, this Nikon's digital camera is going to be $5,000. You're like, $5,000? Jesus criminy. How am I ever going to make that money back? Are you kidding me? Like, it was, I don't know why more photographers didn't drop out at that point during the switch from to digital because of the cost. It was, it was nuts. Uh, it, it, I remember when the F5 came out and looking at it at the MPPA convention and just sort of drooling over it. And, and, and it lasted longer. You weren't going to, in 10 years, you could still be using the same camera. Right. You need a different film, um, depending on what you were shooting. But I, I, it was sort of funny. A buddy and I, we, I'm Canon, he's Nikon. We laughed in those early digital years. We rode the waves and bought the equipment of the people that would hop ship every time a new camera would come out mm-hmm. and they would be selling all their stuff and like, yeah, sure. That's still good. Give it to me. Yeah. 
Right. And, uh, because, and, and it was, it was transformational. When a new camera came out, it, it could do so much more. Unlike today, they do more, but it's not, not the, in the, in the difference between them. Yeah. I mean, Oh, the difference between the F four and the F five were just light years. One, mm-hmm. one had autofocus that was comical. And then one had autofocus that was revolutionary. And you mm-hmm. talk about now, what's the difference between them? a D4 and a D4S and then there's a D5 and and you start doing number games and it's just little increments. But then it was huge. What? And you're, and you're only playing with one camera back then. So you're switching lenses. (laughs) God. Did you have a laptop? I did have a laptop. Um, Was it like a small phone book? Oh, what it was. (laughs) It was the Apple, yeah. I think I got the whatever the MacBook version the of clamshell the, MacBook it, something, something like that. Um, so yeah, I did that um, work. I, and at the time, that was before the MagSafe. I don't know how many times I tripped over my plug and ripped it out walking across because I worked off my dining room table. Um, yeah, I, I would sit there and, and do. Work out, yeah, I, but I did. I had a, I had a camera. I had a one uh, D, two batteries, and two cards. And the cards were maybe, which is only a four megapixel camera, and I was shooting JPEGs, but they might have been uh, one hundred twenty-eight megabytes. Yeah, one hundred twenty-eight megabytes. Maybe I bought them for one hundred and ten dollars each. And every time that the price dropped, the cards were dropped down to about a hundred bucks. I'd buy. That's when I would buy the next card up. Yeah. Ooh, I got a 165. I got a 256. I got, ooh, I got a 512. I remember the first guy showed up. Bob Bender showed up with a 512 card, and we all thought he showed up with the whole Playboy Bunny Squad. We just like, my God, we'll just stand here like you brought the sun up. It was the most amazing. And it was the same damn card. The sticker was different. That was it. But he was he was the caveman with the Bic lighter. It was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. He was but like, I, I, I can go the whole game without changing a card. <laughs> We're like, oh, oh God, Bob. <laughs> oh, it, it was game changer, game changer. Yeah. Now that same card gets you four photos. <laughs> like, almost like when my uh, one of my senior projects was, we had to save like six pictures that we scanned in onto one of the. Little what three and a quarter floppies? <laughs> yeah, you, you got to be able to scan them in at a good resolution, but still save them on this floppy. So good luck. <laughs> so how was those first couple of years with digital and freelancing and on the business side? And you're trying to do the math with your accountant to, you know, make some money. I I was <laughs> I was trying to make money. Uh, how much are we? I didn't really talk to my accountant as much. I talked just mention our block. Um, I probably should have went to some more business classes. I went and talked to like one of the business groups here, and then in my head or in my head, I was like, "You're talking about business. You don't understand what I do as photography." So I sort of went back on my own. Um, I was just trying to make sure that I had more income than out than outgo, right? Um, but I also, all I knew was newspaper. And so I started there and I learned a a lesson 
very early in freelancing, not to put all your eggs in one basket. I went to the newspaper side. They had a, a, a most awesome person as their photo editor, Clay Owen. And I'm, this was about October of 2001. And I started working with him and, and he would give me all like the fluff news assignments that this new staff didn't want to do. They'd say no. So he'd call Steven. Great. Well, that lasted till about March of the next year. And then all of a sudden he quit calling me. So I called him up and I was like, dude, Clay, uh, what, what's going on? Did I piss somebody off and not know it? I mean, if I, if I, I'll say I'm sorry, what was the work? Because at that point it was like I had regular income. He told me, he's like, you know what? We never really used freelancers before you. I used you the end of last year. I've used you this year. Now they come to me and said my freelance budget's spent. So we just don't have any more freelance budget for the rest of the year. Oh. So he is not paying attention to what he had taught me real quick that I needed to pay attention and I needed to diversify clients. And I've been trying to work into the advertising side of the newspaper. And then I did that. And then um, also was trying to shoot some other stuff and get my name out there and get better. And that that's what I did. And also as I, as I grew and the people in those small positions grew and moved to other places, we knew each other and that helped make connections. Um, throughout the community and within the photo world, uh, making a website, all that good stuff. I also did an apprenticeship under a photographer here in town called Patrick Murphy Racy, where I got to learn a lot from. And and I don't, I didn't learn a whole lot of business from him, but I, I learned how to shoot. I, I learned a lot of different, I did not know lighting when I was starting. When I graduated college, I bought a flash with TTL and said, I hope this works because I don't know how to use it. Um, and I had bought a strobe before that, before working with Pat. Um, but when I started working with Pat, I started learning how to use strobes. And that was the beginning of that part of my career. Right. That separates the men from the boys, understanding light and using a strobe and having it become an accent to a portrait or, or to any feature. It, it's, it really separates you from the pack. But, and he also taught me it's more that there's level of people of light. There's the people that will go put up two lights at 45 and light it all even and, and make it just this flat. It's okay. Yeah, it's lit. And then there's the people who go in and use soft boxes. And then on top of that, there's the people that use grids and and how you sculpt that light to to make a picture makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's what the masters do. They just don't teach it, and it's very frustrating. These poor kids come out of college and they think, "Well, I just take a picture." No, actually, you're a manipulator of light, is what you are. Yes, I, as I said earlier, photography is recording a light. If you don't have good light, you don't have a good picture. Now, whether that's your just to have great available light at the time, or you're learning how to manipulate that available light, or you're lighting it yourself. It's all the recording of light. Right. Was was then when you're starting to get, you know, those kind of exposures to like what Patrick's teaching you, you're trying to expand outside of the newspaper. What are you looking for? Small businesses to do kind of advertising for them, food shoots, weddings. Where are you trying to expand your spinning plates of a freelancer? Oh, I did it all or attempted to do it all. <laughs> I even tried babies and I learned 
after a little while, I finally realized babies is not my thing. Um, Marines so, and babies don't really go hand in hand. I, I, it just, I needed somebody I could converse with and say, <laughs> I need you to turn your head. Um, babies, what, what, and I have a buddy that he is like a baby whisperer. He does amazing stuff and, and does, and I was, I was trying it and I was, I would spend six hours on a shoot for them to buy a hundred dollars worth of prints afterwards. And I was like, yeah, this isn't very cost effective. And, no. I, and I stress out, I go buy $200 of props beforehand, try to make sure I have everything. I was like, no, th- this isn't me. Um, and to this day I, I shot babies, but now, and for years I'd be like, call somebody else. They can do it a lot better. Yeah, I got a list um, for you right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but what I, you do is good business. You just tell those people, I'll just take 2%. That's it. <laughs> that's where I need to be better. That's it. Um, I, I did a look, I did, uh, I did weddings. My buddy, Joe Howell, when I moved in, uh, he is best friend to me. He is my son's named after him. I was the best man in his wedding. Um, he got me into weddings and I've been told in newspaper to stay away from weddings at, at all at all costs. Why? Um, because you're going to get this horrible mother of the bride, and you're going to get this. These are the same people that are going in the middle of shootings and photographing people threatening to put their camera in all kinds of places that are scared <laughs> of the mother of a bride. Right. Uh, but I started shooting weddings, and I and I fell in love with that. And I used weddings in a in a PJ fashion. I shot it from the inside out. I became friends with them. I had unlimited coverage, wedding day coverage, rehearsal, rehearsal dinner, all that stuff. And, and I did it because that that built the trust between me and and not only the bride and groom, but the wedding party and everybody around. And I think it made better pictures. Um, and I <clears throat> I did that till I didn't want to do that anymore. And I finally stopped years later. But I loved it while I did it. Um, and I shot, what else? I shot some, I, I would just get stuff for being on the internet, you know, uh, annual report would need somebody in town or business would need headshots or whatever. Um, how did I'll, you market yourself on the internet? Did you get a website up pretty soon and try to get yourself exposure that way? I started with a website when I was at a newspaper just because back then we didn't have a way to share our work. And I wanted people to be able to see my, my family, see my work three miles or three hours away. So I started a website. I built it with page mill 2.0 back in the late nineties. Um, it's horrible, but I had a website. Sure. You were the guy. I mean, that's, there weren't a yeah. lot of great ones back then. Um, so I always had a website and, and I put stuff into there to, to try to help get work. Wow. I, um, I've always said, you know, if you're a second or third shooter on a wedding, don't be the lead guy. If you want to learn, you can learn a lot of great stuff as a wedding photographer. It's, it's photojournalism. You're telling a story. It's a wonderful story of the day. Everybody's happy. Somebody's going to get drunk. You know, someone's going to dance. Like it's a great event. You can shoot some good stuff. Make detailed photos. Uh, you can be really good at it um, and learn a lot. But people, it, it is a scary event, though, because you can't have them come back next week. 
No. Well, and I learned with, with doing it, like I said, inside out and staying. When I first started, I tried like packages of here, I'll be here for six hours or eight hours. And I'd hear these great stories of if, after you left, this awesome thing happened. Um, so I said, I'm going to do unlimited time. Yeah, it's going to be harder on me. But I've also found the reception gets the best the last hour after the people they don't care about had left and the people that are partying are well into it, that's when a lot of the fun moments happen in right. reset. Yeah. Yeah. The two uncles are sitting off to the corner, smoking cigars, telling old stories and jokes, and they're, they're letting some kids sip beer for the first time. <laughs> Somebody's getting in trouble. Somebody's dived into too much cake. Yeah, those are the best photos when they look back at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I've, I've photographed so many different things from from – doing weddings that that have been great moments that I just, I love it. And I love them. They're all a little personal to me just as much as they are the bride and the groom. Mm -hmm. They are. Was there ever a point where you got tired of freelancing 10, 15 years in and you started job hunting thinking maybe I want more. I want a job. I want a newspaper job or I want to, you know, honey, maybe if we left and went to Miami or Chicago or was there any thought of that? There was, some different points that I had wondered, um, especially early on, if maybe like my wife started in x-ray, she's now went way beyond that. But um, I was like, I could go get a job as an x-ray tech and make good money. And cause she was making more part-time than I was full-time at the paper. It's still taking photos. Yeah, but so <laughs> exactly. So both of you guys um, started out as photographers, is what you're saying. Exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I had looked. I, there were some times that I had wondered if I could do that and make more money. And and I was even I was a little. And she she brought this up this morning when I came here. Um, <laughs> Even early on when she was working, she wanted to get a job as an x-ray tech on the side for what she does, for what she was on top of what she was doing so that she could help pay down our student loans. But I was hard-headed and I felt like since I was just trying to get my freelance going, she didn't need to have two jobs. I, I wanted, I should be bringing in more and she didn't need to do that extra. So, um, yeah, but I, but I considered it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's a tap out, like there's only, you can only get so many clients and bleed out so much money out of people in an area. Cause there's other photographers. There's only so much. So sometimes you could be like putting in 60, 70 hours a week and that's it. Like you're not going to make any more. Well, and I was so young, man. I, I look back at my photography. I was not very good. I thought I was, but I was not very good then. And and the and that was again the transition from film to digital. So I think the level of what was good then was lower. But I still was not. I was in that shooting the community news level. Right. So I didn't have the level to go out and get a commercial client or do this or that um, that would bring in the big dollars anyway. Right. Were there any like tough times where you're like, I'm out? Like, was was there any time really close to you, like looking at the camera, going, I might sell you? Uh, that was probably in the early times. There was tough times later. I remember around, I think it was 2009, when I had our second kid. 
that things were, it, it became tough at times because now I have two kids in daycare. So our expenses are, are more, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been making this, but I need to make even more. And that was after the re- recession right. part. Um, so I saw a dip through there, um, but we were still able to make it. And I will say it did help having a wife that had a full-time job that uh, with benefits. If I would have had been paying for that, I might would have seriously considered do I need to freelance right. or get a, a different job? Uh, but I was able to pull through it um, and I was still doing work. I just wasn't doing as much and my, my expenses because it, it's also, you got to love what you do, but it's still a job. Right. And I still had to pull in money. I still have to pay the bills no matter what. Um, and I was able to do it. I just did. It was very lean. How uh, did then, Tennessee come about because that's got to be a huge game changer for you in 2018. 2018 came, um, they had a photographer that worked here for like 40 years that was retiring. Um, did you know him? Yes, I knew him. He was somebody that is a sort of a gruff older man taught himself photography in Vietnam, still shot the way he did in Vietnam had the camera with the big potato masher that just blew everything out. That must've been an interesting look. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it was, uh, he was, he was great at gripping grins Mm -hmm. and they were, my university at that point was a chargeback university. They were wanting to get away from that and go in the marketing side of stuff. And, um, so yeah, it, it was a transition. At, <clears throat> did so, you hear about the opening or how did that that whisper into your ears so they had the opening and then they hired somebody for it did you apply i did not apply why not you silly fool well well i here's what happened i heard about it but at that point i'm doing good in freelancing i said this is 18 i've mentioned there was a dip in 19 or, or oh, oh, nine. Nine. Yeah. Sorry, oh nine. But everything was like, I'm going great. Things are going through the roof. And I heard it's like, huh, that sort of sounds cool. But yeah, I'm having fun working for myself. Well, that person, they hired somebody for that spot. And I guess that would have been late 17. They lasted for almost six months. And then um, left the university. So the position came back open and I knew about it because the events person, I'd sort of lost work. University of Tennessee was one of my clients, not this department. A couple of people in the department had hired me, but not like the main people. Right. Uh, but the events person called me and said, I need to book you for all these dates throughout the semester. I'm like, you got a staff person. What, what's going on? So I started calling around and found out that that photographer left. And uh, it just didn't work out here for them. And so I met, I went to meet with a, a friend that worked here to ask them about the job and what they thought. I also had an assignment for my first ever assignment for this job was that weekend. I had to go shoot a bunch of headshots. Okay. So that was all this happened on Friday. Called my buddy Joe up. He used to work for the newspaper here. At this point, he'd been working at Vanderbilt for like 10 years. And he's like, dude, you're going to like, apply like can 
consider this, aren't you? I was like, hell no. <laughs> and then he was like, no, you really, you're going to consider this, right? I was like, did you not hear me? I said, hell no. I said, my job, I mean, my, my clients are, I'm doing great. It's all forecasting better. So why would I leave this? And then he started talking about stuff like matching, matching 401k and, and you have kids that are teenagers that are going to, they give a discount for tuition in a few years and all this other stuff. And it got me, well, over the weekend, I started thinking about it. I shot the job for him on Sunday. On Monday, I came to turn in my, turn in the work. And I said, uh, hey, while I'm turning this in, do you mind showing me around? Because I'm interested in your opening. And that was sort of the end of it. You silly fool. You should. <laughs> but I, I think they were even a little concerned how I would adjust from freelance life to, to coming here to UT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you hadn't had but, a job in 20 years. Right. So, um, but... I looked at it. It's like, you know, UT is a family. And I've always sort of been that cousin that comes in to visit for holidays being a freelancer. It's like, I'm going to get to move in the house with all the craziness. Um, So we all, we all, it's a great place. We get along and we may not all agree on everything, but we still love each other. Tell me about the interview process. What was that like? Cause you hadn't interviewed. That's the funny thing, right? Interviewing is a skill. And you hadn't interviewed really for a job. You've, you've interviewed as a freelancer, like, hi, I'm shiny, hire me for a day. But there's another thing, hi, I'm, I'm a shiny object and hire me until you fire me. <laughs> right? So how, how was that process, the interview process, which is, like I said, a, a, a skill? That, that was a, it was a little nervous. Um, it, I, I, was, I was nervous about it and getting a portfolio together because even my higher ed stuff, a lot of the higher ed stuff that I had was – um, portraits because I'd worked for alumni and that's what alumni wanted. I didn't have much campus life. I mean, I had sports, but this is not the athletics department. Athletics has their own photographers. Right. You're, you're uh, in what it's, are you in marketing communications or communications marketing? However they want to. Right. Yeah. Totally I, different. A, yes. It has nothing. Everybody thinks I work for athletics. I do not. I, now do I shoot some athletics? Yes. Do I? And when I do that, a lot of it, I'm looking for student experience not just fan, but our students. Right. So, um, are you under the president's office? Well, we have a chancellor is over us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sort of the same. Yes. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm what in- I'm at at Dominguez. That's what I'm, I'm I work under the president's office. So, um, well, I work for them. Um, and also this position, the other thing I'd always been against it is because I looked at it, it was the chargeback gripping grins. You got to run out at halftime and shoot the pictures or be at this cake cutting. And uh, when I talked to them, I was trying to interview them as much as they were interviewing me because I'm about to leave a career that I've set up. I spent almost 20 years setting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was, there was a back and forth to it. I was still nervous. The thing that got me the most as you just sort of mentioned, you know, I just had an assignment a couple of months before where they call me while I'm shooting a basketball game and they say, yeah, we need this stuff. And we start texting back and forth throughout the basketball game. I go to shoot assignment the next day and then turn it over and we're done. Hiring in higher ed does not move that fast. 
I did my interview and like a few months later, I'm like Jones is like, all right, you've had a week. Are we, uh, what, what, what are we doing? Come on, come on. Especially knowing that I'm looking at shutting down my freelance career. Right. Do I need to take more assignments? Do I not? Um, yeah. You're scheduling things out down the road. Yes. Uh, and, and so I finally got a call. I remember exactly where I was at. I just finished a, a shoot. Uh, I photographed an airplane for one of my companies that was looking to sell it. I did their like headshots and stuff. And then they said, we need you photograph this plane. And then when I was leaving, I got a voicemail from my, uh, the person hiring me that said that they were offering me the job. I still have that voicemail on my phone today. Uh, and I tease her about it, but, um, yeah, uh, it, that was, they, they offered me the job and then I don't, I think that was, might've been September, August, September, but I was like, I need time to wind down my freelance business and we have a vacation at fall break. So let me start after fall break. And then I started October 15th of 2018. Wow. Uh, I, and I, I joke, say I get to go to school every day and I don't have to take tests. So what better job is that? What, how was those first couple months like, right? I mean, there's a big difference, as you know, freelancing from having an office. There, there is. I sort of enjoy it. Um, I'm an extrovert, so I can be quiet at times, especially if, I, if I'm not comfortable or trying to get a feel of everything, just like the photojournalist that sits back and watch. I won't forget one of my first assignments. So I had to photograph the uh, sign language class. And... After I did that, or as I was shooting it, there was window light right behind the student, and I sort of got a top-down view of the shadows of the hands doing sign language. And I brought it back, and I was used to the newspaper that said, oh, that's that's artsy-fartsy and nice, but that's that's too advanced for us. That's more for bigger papers. And I brought that into my, my boss, and he goes, oh, I love this. This is awesome. And that's... I knew I was in the right place. Um, and I had, again, I was very welcome to have an amazing graphic designer that to work with and we're constantly, I, I, I have to say, I have grown more in this job in four years than I had probably um, in the last five or 10 of my, of my freelance career. Just as we talked about cameras, you know, there can be incremental differences. I had my portfolio reviewed about, nine months before I started this, before I started this job. And the thing that they told me is like, you know, it's all great stuff, but this is just a recap of what you already have because you're shooting for your clients. Right here. I get to do so much variety and they push me in so many different ways. I shot some pictures a couple of weeks ago and, and I started with funky. And then that same person that hired me was like, Oh, I love that. That's awesome. And then during the shoot, she's like, can you go back and shoot more of that funky stuff? And and we're talking like it's like way out there. Something I never would have. I thought, well, I'm going to try it and see. And they don't run in our magazine. It's not just uh, put on the web. It, it's that they really push the creative. Right. That is the best part about our job is that we can get away with trying stuff and you're not worried about you're on the client's dime you know, you've only got an hour to shoot this, whatever you can say, Hey, professor, can you give me five minutes? I want to try something. 
Yeah. Don't look at me crazy because I'm going to do something crazy, but I'm going to put up all this stuff and do this. Five minutes, that's all I ask. And a lot of times, especially if you get a reputation, they'll be like, sure, I'm all in. Uh, that's what uh, we were photographing some former athletes. We were photographing them as students. And I told them, I was like, listen, I know you've been through all kinds of photo shoots before. I said, but this is not going to be like anything you've ever done before. And I, and I dove deep when I, <laughs> but when I show her the back of the camera, she was like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I also tell people, I was like, you know what? I shoot to fail. There's going to be some stuff in here that's bad. And I know that, but we do it for the, what, what is good. And if I don't try the bad, I'm not going to get the good. Right. Did you have a goal those first six months for the job? Did you want to kind of try something, reshape the office? What was your mindset that way? Well, I knew going into it that after, especially talking with my buddy, Joe, that this, this position was going to be mine to sort of reshape and create in general because they had been charged back and doing all of this other, um, all the other gripping grants and they were wanting to go marketing is more of their focus. So I was still partly charged back when I started one of the things that I did, though, is I would feature hunt on my own or when I would, just like the newspaper days, I would keep my cameras on my shoulder when I'm walking between assignments. And if I see something, that could help. And, and it did because they they were they started noticing, like, especially working with our social media, because that was the front page of the paper every day that I had to find the features for. And they could do more crazy, artsy stuff if I come up with a like dark shadow feature or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I started, I was showing them. And, and, and when I was hired, I told them, I was like, I think we need to do more campus life and more features. And I, I want to have time to walk campus. And as they saw what I was doing, they gave me more time to do that. And they they quickly said, you know what? The percentage you, you're just, you're mainly covered. Uh, your chargeback is such a small percentage we want you to stop doing chargeback because that's more valuable to work for our office a hundred percent of the time. Wow. And, and that happened within an, less than a year or a year of being here. Now, are you a one man band or are there any assistants or other photographers at the time? Oh, I, the, right now we, we have, I say a total of three, me, myself and I. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding for the size of Tennessee? Athletics has two photographers and a handful of interns. Um, I have uh, myself for communications and marketing, and then I have an intern that I can have up to 10 hours a week. But by the time I do just 10 hours and around their school schedule and around everything else, I'm sort of limited on how much I can truly use them. Whoa. I would have thought you were like managing at least two people. No. But, you know, the good thing about that is that just that just guarantees I get all the good assignments. Damn right. You can pick <laughs> and choose right then. Jesus. Was that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you got a good team. You got a good boss. Was there any expectations that you were a little disappointed in? And I don't want to crap on the job, but like where you were oh. like a year in going like, man, this is not what I thought. Or, boy, this is a lot more work. Or I wish I had more this or that because as we said higher ed moves like a glacier so when you come in i mean were they dealing with technology that's five years old and they didn't put any money into it or what was that ugly side or was there any 
I, I there's not an ugly side. I, I, the ugliest side I can say is I have I've shot Canon since the A2E and the I bought it in the mid '90s in college. I started flirting with Sony right before I came here. Okay, and I was like, hey, I've got this Sony gear. Would y'all maybe consider switching to Sony? And they said, well, this was like September. Mm-hmm. And they said we just switched from Nikon to Canon last February. So we're we're not switching to Sony. If you want to use your own gear, you can. That's been the only okay. problem that I had. Um, in fact, my wife, our her joke is she says I work in cotton candy land. <laughs> um, but it's all just rainbows and and hugs and kisses and everything's great. But they have treated me so well and and given me such room to to grow and explore and, and make this job better and so much support for that, that I can, I have nothing to complain. Um, and, and gear wise, we switched to Canon and that was, so we were in the process of rebuilding everything. And, and they, if I tell them something, they listen to me. It's not, they truly listen, but I think they also know I do my due diligence. I'm not going to just go do something wasteful. Now. And, uh, so yeah, they they respect my my what my word says, and they they help me with it. What's a day to day look like for you? An average like Tuesday. Um, Tuesdays is my headshot day. So <laughs> your headshot days. Headshot day. Do you got a we studio? Do, I have a studio. In okay. fact, I even they've remodeled it for me. Um, and people used to walk in and say, "Oh, this is a dungeon." Now they walk in and say, wow, this is really nice. Uh, part of that is that there was a bunch of junk. The photographer that was here for 40 years was a hoarder. We had to clean out. We had more tripod manuals than you can count. Um, that that much of a hoarder. But we got new carpet. Oh, wait, we pulled up the carpet, got new floor and new paint, and then let me decorate. I, I put a gallery of pictures on the wall to make it feel like a studio when you come in. Um so yeah, again, they support me. I asked about that, and then that that took a lot of money because the floor was asbestos underneath it, and then they had to pull it up. But they they put it in there for me. Um, so, but I do headshots in there, and that's also I do headshots once a week for two hours a, a day. I open it up; they're free for faculty and staff to come in to get their their headshot. But that is also the the face of the university. That's how they see everybody that comes through there is going to see that, that place. And I want it to be a nice place. Now, do you, do you set the the tone for those headshots? Like with the background lighting or does the different department get a different look? How do you do that? Everything's set. Everything's exactly the same. Um, Now I have tweaked it when I, but when I started certain departments had certain backgrounds, um, but we decided that we wanted a whole university look. Not only did that not have it, it kept us. I didn't have to switch stuff back and forth or remember who was what. Mm-hmm. It's everything's very simple. And, and I made a simple uh, setup. I use a big Shamira five foot octobox with a couple of uh, of uh, the V flat, what lay flat world V flat that I I put around them in an L shape for bounce and and roll with it. No hair light, no anything else. I want something I can replicate if I had to go across campus, which I don't, but if I did, I could. Right. Uh, and then 
it, we just roll with it. No white background. This sort of like a Ford. We, we have it in black. Right. This is what you get. It's um, it's funny, but people don't realize those headshots are probably the most used. You know, the faculty is going to send them uh, those out if they're doing a lecture and if they're in a magazine and stuff. Those headshots are so important, and everybody thinks it's kind of silly, but they are needed. They're needed. They do get a little annoying at times when I have other stuff I need to do, but we've also backed off. If I have another assignment, I used to wouldn't cancel headshots for anything, but now they're like, hey, they're free. They can come the next week. The other, the biggest thing you get for me that I get from them is the fact that I get to interact and meet with so many people across campus and find out about things that are going around or they're familiar with me when I show up. It's like, oh, yeah, you did my headshot. So um, I bet it, it's a good networking uh, thing that we do. It's huge. You can actually find out some good stuff if you're meeting some professor and he's telling you, oh, well, we did this and we did that or this is upcoming. It's like a lead in a newspaper job. Exactly. And, and that's one thing I always with this and I have since I started, I ask students questions when I'm out with when I'm out taking their picture. I'm, I'm always looking for leads that I can bring back from my department and looking for ways that I can find pictures. I will look uh, when I walk by the information boards where things are stapled up, but I will sit there and read them all to see, is there anything that's worth photographing? Is there a cool something happening that you wouldn't know otherwise? Right now, a lot of people may or may not know, but I am sitting here with the three time UPAA photographer of the year. Like, I, I'm just saying, I have had Oscar winners on and Emmy winners. They've all had their trophies or awards in the background. You know, I, I don't know where you keep yours. Maybe they're in your mantle at your house. Maybe they're up by your toothbrush in the morning. Or <laughs> uh, now look in there. <laughs> uh, for those who can't see, he's got them up all spread about like every fantastic photographer. <laughs> When did you discover that, I, I think, a absolutely underappreciated organization? I think they are outstanding. When did you find them? I found them when I was freelancing. Okay. And I found them because I was searching for keywords that could get me into better, um, <laughs> find some higher ed clients. Okay. Um, and I joined as an associate member as when I was uh, freelancing. And so, and I knew about the contest and my buddy, Joe, I would enter, I would always enter personal vision, which is a, for those that don't know, that's the one category that if you're not a member, you can still enter and members can enter their stuff that they do not shoot for the university. And I would be so excited. I'd have a great month. And then there's a dude in Alaska that would enter like, five pictures of the auroras and he would win all five pictures and I would, Oh, I would cuss a little bit. Um, cause I'm a little competitive, but, um, yeah, so I did that. And then as soon as I found out I was going to be a getting the job, I contacted the president and I was like, all right, wait, I want to become a full-time member. Um, I know I knew more about the, the organization because my buddy Joe was truly involved with it being a, a full-time member. But then once I got in, I got to go to my first symposium in 2019. I met with the people on Facebook and they are just, they are the best, most open group. 
anybody will share anything with you. It's not, I've been in other groups before where they would like, oh, well, that's my secret. Um, I even being in college, I remember asking one of the, that freshman year, I was like, Hey, how do you get like the pictures of the football players when it doesn't have the shadow underneath their, their eyes in, in their helmet? And it's like, well, you'll just have to figure that out on your own. That that's what I was told. And, uh, <laughs> but UPAA, you ask them a question, you tell them how they did. How'd you do this picture? Oh, you copied mine and you did it better. That's awesome. It, it, it's it's a great group. Oh, I, I'll say this both ways. I think some of the best photography in in athletics and sports is happening in college from some of the team photographers, and some of the best marketing advertising photos are happening as well on the college side. And some of the stuff that's being made, I mean, the guys at BYU could put on a damn clinic. Good lord. Yeah, and on top of that, they're just they're amazing guys. I mean, which they, is which is the thing that bothers me the most. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, they're so. T- I bet if you and I showed up right now, Jared would have cookies like in his office. I guarantee you, that guy would have milk and cookies, and he he by the end of the time he would have a southern draw. He's so damn sweet. <laughs> they're the nicest uh, damn guys. They, they are, they are, um, and, and yeah, and one even this just shows, and it's one of my favorite pictures I have. Um, after I won the photographer of the year last year, um, as soon as I got back to my seat from accepting my award, Nate had come from across the room and came over to congratulate me, and uh, just, just it, it they, they are he and Jaron are amazing and and what they're doing with their program and their students and all of that and and how helpful they are. That's what I would love for. I I would love that to be the UT legacy also one day that hopefully that we eventually get another photographer and, and it's, it's not only a great photo place, but it's also somewhere that hopefully um, I can be as respected as much as they are. Have you seen their studio? I, I've, I saw the, you saw the video. I saw the video. It, it's God. unreal. Oh my God. The guy love them. They deserved it. Cause they oh, were, yeah, they, did. they were, as he even said, stealing spaces and hiding and doing this and do it. And th- those guys are making the images and God love them. But in college right now, some of the best advertising is coming from guys who we work with or are in the same field that we're in. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I hope I don't mispronounce his name, but Matthew Mundino over at Northeastern, if you've not yeah. checked him out, his stuff is, is amazing. And I can just go on and on with all the different photographers. And, and I love seeing when we get new people come in. Uh, we just have the people, and I know you interviewed um, one of them from the from Montana State. Oh, yeah, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all the, the people over there, they're, they're doing great work it's unreal when you sit there i love the competition one i'm i'm just a competitive person by nature um but i've I've used it to help push me and and get better work and i see what other people are producing and it's unreal yeah just keep up with them Uh, and you said it and and i'll say absolutely you have gotten better from 18 to yesterday like your work is pushing yourself. What you see is pushing you. 
I mean, and that's the best part of this job and working with really good people around you is that you want to make great stuff for them. You don't just sit there like molasses and go, eh, yesterday's work was just fine. Yes. Push, push, push. Especially when you're in a competition like this and you would see what everybody else is doing and you're like, damn it, Notre Dame, you and your touchdown Jesus is killing me. (laughs) You know, the beautiful shot of a student walking through in the snow and, you know, the trees and just, God, blessed people, give us a chance. That, that, that go down, that, 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 that's a killer, I tell you. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, going back and forth, even when I when I first started competing with, and Joe and I, I talk about Joe, Joe and I talk like if every day, maybe every other day at a minimum. Um, but we would share work, and we're both from newspaper world, and we would look at and he would look at my stuff, and he'd go, that's solid, which should get. But it's not an award winner, and that's and we would critique each other stuff that way. It's no mom on the fridge. Oh, this is pretty, Johnny. Here, let me put it right here for you. Um, it, it, it's we're honest with each other, and and solid work is not bad. There's a lot. Solid work is great. Can be great work, but is it totally pushing the bar and pushing yourself as hard as you can? And you no. know this. There's some assignments they they're it's just not going to make great work out of it. You just got to get it done. There's some, some assignments are just meat and potatoes. That's right. it. You know, if the president or the chancellor is meeting some dignitary, you're not always going to get a Pulitzer out of that. You just got to get what you need. Everybody's clean shot, shaking hands, eyes at the camera, but it's the ones where you can go out and create. Those are where you get your chops all going and you're all excited and juicy. And you're like, here we go. We're going to make something right now. And everybody's yeah. looking at you like, dude, it's really, it's just a portrait. No, there's something special. I could see it. Right. Well, and that's even, like I said, I had the creative stuff for those portraits the other day when I could, we talked about different stuff and we talked about, I can shoot them on black so that they can do some graphic design. But that's like, well, let me do some in-camera stuff too. Mm-hmm. And they were, and that was the stuff that was funky and that we're going to, we're running with. I, I give an example, especially I contacted our canine units and I wanted to get pictures of them working. And uh, they, they told me about what well, this one canine's getting close to retiring. How about you photograph them? I was like, okay, well, this went back and forth for a while. And then I get a call on a Friday night about seven 30. My parents had just called and said, Hey, we'll take the kids and give you all a night to yourself. I was like, okay. Well, right after that, 7.30, they call and say, hey, uh, we're going to be with the our canine is going to be clearing the stadium before the game tomorrow. And I was like, oh, really? Well, what time is it? Well, it's a noon game, and we do like seven hours before the game. So we'll be there about 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, uh, 5 a.m., you say? Yeah. I was like, uh, but here, let's do this. If you don't hear about me by six, you can just go ahead and do your thing. And they said, well, you know, we have keys to the stadium, so we can come back and recreate this at any time if you wanted us to. I was like, yeah, but just hold on. More than likely, just I'll I'll text you. I'll be there about six. And got off the phone, sat there for a second. I was like, well, babe, I'm fixing to get ready to go to bed because I got to be up at dark 30 in the morning to go photograph these dogs. And what I ended up getting was a picture of the dog walking through the stadium. It's cold. It's the last game. It's like 
November, December, breath coming out, sun rising, so it's just that early, early morning sun. That could not be matched by anything if I wouldn't met them at noon inside of an empty stadium. It, it's only by taking in, taking the time and pushing and giving that extra effort that makes those extra special images. Right. But what did the missus say? <laughs> she, she, uh, she understood. And that was, I think my first, one of my first contests. So, um, she was okay with it. I will say after this third one, she told me, I do not want to hear about the contest for 365 days. Take your word, Stephen, and chop it. My, I told you my wife was my next-door neighbor, um, and so we we were best friends before we were ever dating, so she's also one that helps real, real quickly puts me in check so I don't have to have a big head. She she helps keep yeah. that in, in proportion. She'll take care of it real quick, a little head slap. Yeah. <laughs> like good family does, her and my kids would be like, oh, another award. Wow. Yeah, you're so special. <laughs> now, yeah. now, now, can, can you go ahead and the sheep on the bed aren't just right. Can you fix them for me? Yeah. Now get your ass outside and mow the grass. <laughs> Hold your trophy while you go around with the lawnmower. <laughs> do, my, do my pageant wave and mow with it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh, look, there's the old man out back with his trophy. You've, yeah. you've taken some really special ones. The one that I think really caught my eye the first time was the T where the students are lined up with the T and then you've got them going away blurry. Your process, you're thinking things through before they happen. I could see it, right? I've done this long. Well, no, because you brought a tripod, you brought something, right? Uh, Like you're, you're not just showing up with your 24 to 70 going, whatever happens with this lens, I'm going to make it work. Your, process thinking whether you don't think of it like you know it just happens or not what it what do when you're coming to something like that are you overpacking to the point where you're like i'm bringing a tripod i'm bringing these four lenses so i can cover it wide or tight or big i'm bringing a flash like what's your process when you're trying to create something of, of that nature it's different every time i will say I feel like a lot of my stuff comes from a Marine Corps term called Semper Gumby, always flexible. Um, and that's, I, I may bring a bunch of stuff to, uh, to try different things or set up a remote when it may not be, when I might have the chance. Um, I feel like a lot of my stuff just happens by accident. It's that when luck meets, what is it? Luck when luck meets preparation, opportunity. opportunity. Preparation. Yeah. So, in in the years and the experience of I've, I've taken studying other people's pictures and studying stuff that's been done by UPAA uh, helps give me that knowledge when I get in those situations on how to deal with them. Um, I don't feel like I prepare as much as what you say. Sometimes I do, but I feel like like that that dissolving tea picture that I have. I my thought process on it was I wanted them. We had them with glow sticks. Okay. And I needed the tripod because I needed to have time that I was just going to do a, the power T glowing. Well, after when they went to release, because that 5,000 plus students had been standing there for 30 minutes, they were aggravated and ready to go. 
And when they opened up one side, they started running out. And I was like, wow, I'm watching Avengers Endgame right in front of me. <laughs> and because I had been trying to shoot that glow stick, I started, I already had six second exposures set up and I shot as many six second exposures as I could while they were leaving. Um, so again, it was sort of luck meets, or it was sort of luck, right. but there are there are a few things that I will try to set up, but more of them than not, it's just where I happen to. I'd love to keep as much gear on me as possible, and and I come across the correct the right situation. Now you do a lot. Of, I see you do a lot of stuff underwater too. You don't. You're not afraid to get yourself uh, in the water. What's your setup for that? Oh, it's a glorified uh, Ziploc bag. Hey, those things come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I, I I took that. I learned from Joe. He was shooting stuff for the swimming team at Joe. And so um, I found, I asked him what he was doing with it. It all started, we did a shoot with a, uh, one of our former swimmers, swimmers that had an issue with um, mental health. And she's now turned around and, and helping other athletes with mental health. So I got this, this glorified Ziploc bag and we shot some underwater stuff of her uh, to represent from where not only was she sinking in the water, talking about being uh, overwhelmed, also swimming from the bottom up to, to for recovery. Wow. What's the – if someone said to you, you're, you're at your time at Tennessee, former chancellor walks up to you and says, Stephen, I'd like your best favorite photo you've taken while you've had this job, what would it be? One from the Matty Bannock would probably be it. Um, I'd have to have that dissolving power tea that that's just because you can't see anything like it. I actually had where, uh, three other people tried to copy that the next year. And I got one person sent it to me and two others, other members, or even, a uh, one of my former employees that's now at another university said they tried to do your tea picture. Um, so that, that was the biggest honor that I actually had somebody trying to copy me. Um, so that one would be in there. Another one was I have our rowing team in the middle of the fog on the river one early morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, other than that, those are the three that are popping to my head. I know there's others, but those, those are the, the top three. All right. Uh, Well, well, let's kick you in the shin. What's the okay. one you've missed that you would want back so badly? I feel like that's been a lot this last year. <laughs> um, you might need to get your eyes checked then. <laughs> uh, we always have them. It's like, no, I, no, I mean, that, there's yeah. so many I can't count. And that's one thing I, I will say I'm harder on myself than anybody ever else will be, especially because I know when I come back from assignment, I may edit that. 400 pictures down to 40 and it makes me look like a hero. But in that moment, I will tell you which ones I did not get that day. Now I'm having a little bit of a quarterback memory right now, but they are, I have them every assignment and, and I cuss myself when I'm editing every assignment that I don't have that. when I, when I think back about those, maybe, um, maybe it's me. Maybe you're a part of this group. I'm having more of them because at this point in my career, I'm confident enough to fail, so I'm trying 
more things that I wouldn't have in my freelance job because I know it's on my client's dime. So I'm missing it because I'm, it's, I'm trying stuff at a rate that I normally wouldn't before. So I'm okay with it because failure creates success in what I'm trying to make. Are you in that kind of boat a little bit? I am that. That's what, yeah. And, and I am trying a lot more because again, I know I'm going to have a job. If, if I, if I tried too hard on a client, then, then I've failed, you know, then I could lose income for the next five years. Um, I also, I, I was telling somebody this other day and, and they sort of shook their head at me, but I've been doing this for almost, I've been shooting for 30 years now is crazy. It sounds and not only do I compare every image I shot, I compare every image that I've seen other people shoot to what I'm doing. Right. So, um, and I want that hanging on. I don't want just that hanging on the fridge. I want to be the best, the best. And when you're talking about even like watching Robert Beck's been out shooting rugby, decided to pick that up. And it's just like, wow, you're just going to the park. And you're and you're nailing it. I don't know if you're just having that much better rugby than me, but I also know you you are that much better of a shooter than me. And we have good rugby because we got like one of the national championship teams. Right. So, um, but yeah, but I compare myself to everybody else, and if they can do it, why can't I? Right. Is the job as the UT job what you thought it would be? It, it is, and more. Um, just because, again, working with Marcus, my graphic designer. Um, and, and and Angie and my boss Patrick, when, when I was hired, we had a, I had an interim boss. Angie was is our assistant creative director right now. Okay. She was the interim, so I had no creative director. I had no vice chancellor, and we had no chancellor. And the president was an interim. So literally, my job, even though they had promised me that we were changing to marketing, could have turned around real quick, depending on what chancellor they hired or vice chancellor they hired. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, they all they understand communications and understand what we do and allow us to do what we do, and that has made all the difference in the world. Does and I, we touched on a little bit, but does your Marine Corps time affect your? photography, either your discipline or what you learned in your service to what you're doing now? Uh, it, it does. And, and I will <clears throat> sort of even tease. Sometimes it's like I, I set up an ambush because <laughs> I will, I will pick a zone where the light's right and wait for the right people to walk through. And, and I can sit there with discipline and just take the time to wait. Um, again, also the, the term Semper Gumby, always flexible. You um, you put me in a situation, I'll figure a way around it. And I think we have to do that a lot in photography. Um, and uh, even a lot of the stuff that I go in with, I'm, sometimes I know what I'm doing. And then most of the time I may start there, then I end up in left field because of I see something better or it goes and I'm able to be flexible and, and do that. Now, I, we touched on it before we hit the record button and maybe this, you know, this has something to do with crawling through the mud and bob wire and live ammo going over your head. And, you know, I guess there's, you're, you're quite famous in the parts of Tennessee for the laydown photo. <laughs> Where did that come about? Is that something just natural for you? Or was that something you tripped and just kept taking pictures on the way down? <laughs> <laughs> I did have somebody ask me if I was okay. A student asked me if I was okay last year. That, that made me, 
that hurt a little bit. Um, Sir, can that, I help you? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. Um, so I, that comes from that whole, um, six, one rule. I'm six foot one. And so are most people. So everybody sees everything from the same height. So I'm always looking for different angles that to take something from a, a angle that most people do not see it, even though I'm standing in the same situation. And it also comes, I like to get low a lot because I can get up and get clean skies. One of my pet peeves is having a clean background. I hate having stuff coming out of people's heads. Uh, so if I get low, I can do that along with a different angle. I can, um, I can also get a clean background, but I've also been known to get on the edge of buildings and, and photograph off that way too. climbing trees, you name it, whatever it takes. I, I hide in bushes, all of that sort of sort of plays. I, I will use myself a little bit of trying to blend things that we within the Marine Corps just ways to, to blend in and not be as suspicious. Other times I'm just blatant about it, but yeah. I can hear the calls to campus security. <laughs> There's a guy in the bushes with a camera. Now he's with us. <laughs> no, really? He's wearing fatigues. No, for certain he's with us. <laughs> luckily, I'm, luckily, I've gotten to know all the, the our police officers, so when they hear it's me, they, they will understand. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it, it's is, is he an old guy with bushes. high height? <laughs> he's just doing his thing. Don't mind him, ma'am. <laughs> Really, he's an employee. It's okay. <laughs> well, and, and I've shown some pictures, and then afterwards, I, and I sort of say it. I'm like, that sounds creepy, but I promise it was all for the good. <laughs> I was standing outside at night shooting, like people studying in the library. They were lit up, and like the girl was like doing funky things with her arms stretching. And I'm out outside taking pictures through the window, and but I'm like, yeah, I promise it, it's it's for the good. I thought the ghillie suit though was a little overboard. I don't think that was needed. <laughs> Never saw it. wasn't there. Does photography still light your fire? Does it? I mean, what does it mean to you? It does. Um, it has its ups and its downs on its days. Um, like I said, it takes a lot more to impress me. So when I come back with an average shot, it it may not be as fulfilling as what it was. But when I get it, it's sort of like golf. You know, you you, you hit it right next to the pin and jump up and down and yell. Um, so, but it, it still does. And, and you're still going to get that moment. You're still shooting for that hole in one. I will say I have sort of changed this year. Like I told you earlier, I promised my wife I wouldn't talk about the contest for 365 days. So I've sort of taken a break this year. But just like Peyton Manning, when you, when you look at his stats, his football IQ is, say, up in the 90s. His scrambling now, that may be down here in the 30s. Um, so I've looked at this past year to find other ways to motivate myself other than just straight images which I've been tackling re uh, redeveloping our dam system. And, and that has been an interesting as a kid that would go through and like resort his baseball cards once a week into different categories and everything else that that has been something that's really been keeping me busy this past year. What, what system are you using? Currently we're using a, um, 
self-hosted system that's no longer even available. It's okay. with a company called Asset Bank. Okay. And you're just but, trying to put all the metadata in it and clean it all up and organize it? I, I'm trying to organize it, clean it up, um, looking at other options that are more cloud-based that have um, other more up-to-date uh, tools that can help us like AI um, right. and other features that we don't have right now. But again, the big thing is organizing it, coming up with a system with the correct set of metadata that can help things be more efficiently found. That is a lot of what I'm doing. I've also come up with the idea that um, what are we keeping images for? Are they, they're historic. Everything we shoot is historic in nature because it's documenting what is there at the time. Um, but do we really need for our department, how much are we sending out historic stuff or how much are we sending out stuff that is more for the marketing side of things? Um, we don't, I don't need the style. Like I found stuff in our archives from 2010 where people were wearing Chevron colored shirts that some young student will look at that the same as they look, if you're having an iPhone four in a picture, they'll be like, that's that's out of date or that's my aunt. Right. So I'm trying to make sure our images are more relevant to the, to what our need is. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, because archiving, we're going through this process right now too at Dominguez. And if you don't know where your archive is, or if it's not efficient, it's no good at all. I mean, you might as well just take those slides and just throw them in a closet and just say they're there. I, I, my, I told you about my buddy at the newspaper, Jim, his way, he didn't really want to sell prints because he also didn't want the police coming in and ask for something and him have to give it to him. But his way of archiving was he had a chest and he would take his negatives after he finished, he'd roll them up, put a rubber band around them and toss them in the chest. So if you want them, they're in there. You just got to find them. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have my binder with everything. <laughs> yeah. And There's just organized all nice and clean and proper. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, that, that's, and that's part of the dam system. And, um, that was actually, um, for my, my career or my yearly career plan this year, I, I, it was something to the effect of, uh, to find my damn purpose, um, was, was what I was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that went over great during the review process. Oh, they loved it. <laughs> Now you now you mentioned Peyton Manning. Now, so when when you're on a photo shoot and something goes sideways, do you start yelling out Omaha, Omaha? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're changing the whole thing. We're going to something totally different. I want a white seamless, and I want two slant routes. Make it happen. <laughs> no, but I'm not going to say that's not going to happen in the future. Now, <laughs> what do you, what do you want to get better at? When, when you self-evaluate yourself, what do you say, hey, Stephen, you need to get better at this? Currently, my efficiency. Okay. Um, I'm, not, I'm not the best photo editor. Okay. Uh, it, it, would ta it takes me too long to get through my images and narrow down, and that's something I may or may not ever. It, it, I've been doing this for a long time. I have this year – a part of our dam system, I've been working to make our, um, my metadata more efficient. I misspell stuff and I have to go back. And after I've done a batch caption and then individually changed all the images with code replacement. I, and I have a, 
feel like a fairly efficient thing, but then I do stupid stuff like misspell things that I've learned to find and replace in photo mechanic is invaluable. Um, also, I have a list of all of the VIPs on campus, just like for athletics, how you use code replacement that way. Mm-hmm. I do that with all my VIPs from chancellors to vice chancellors to deans so that I can quickly put their information in, uh, caption information. Right. Um, so there, there's a lot of that. My efficiency for headshots, I, I was spending four hours on it. But as people were signing in, I now have a spreadsheet where people sign into that imports into photo mechanic. I fill out all the metadata, I tone them real quick, and then they're in and out. Usually it takes me about 20 minutes to do headshots now Boom. after I'm post-process. Get them done. Um, so, but the efficiency is where I would really, I, I some things I've tweaked, others I still need work on. All right. Well, there you hear it, folks. The three-time winner still has some work to be done. So there's some some chinks in his armor we can go at him at. <laughs> there's plenty. Uh, I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. This has been a great two hours. Uh, and, and like I said in the beginning, damn it, you're right up there with the BYU guys. You're so damn nice. I couldn't find anybody to say one mean thing about you. <laughs> oh, well, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been great. I'm glad I'm in good company. You're in good company. You know the the accent's fantastic. You you spent six years serving the country. You you spent more than twenty years freelance, and hell, that's like fifty years in the in the military. <laughs> yeah, you probably got more bike marts on your ass from a client than you ever did <laughs> from a drill instructor. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. I appreciate your time, Stephen. This has been great. I mean, if, if some 19 year old kid listens to this in the middle of God knows where university, he's going to get something out of it and understand a path because we've all had them. And if we can help somebody as a photographer, understand they're not alone and how, you know, like those secrets and they can figure it out. Then, then listen to this one's a good one. Uh, thank you. That, that, I've, I've had so much help along the way that I'm, I'll love to give help. Anybody that ever want to reaches out to me, I'm always glad to be helpful in any way I can. How can people find your stuff? You're on Instagram? I, I'm mainly on Instagram, um, and my handle is KnoxPhotog, K-N-O-X-P-H-O-T-O-G. Okay. Now, I spell right. I'm on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Now, are, have you slowed down on the photo blog? Because you were doing that a little bit during the pandemic. Uh, I slowed down on the photo blog. Uh, you talking about my personal photo yeah, blog? Yeah, yeah. I slowed down. Here's what happened. My site got hacked. Did and, it really? Yeah. And I've been working on it, and I thought I had it fixed, and I didn't. So then I had to, over Christmas break, I went and reinstalled everything and just had to basically rebuild exactly what I had without anybody knowing that it was done. So um, I've always had a hard time blogging, but my goal is what I would love to do is do just like my best of every month, say put five to 10 photos up and just say, Hey, here you go. Uh, Just something to keep that website going. I've always had one Um, and something on side of social media. What if Instagram says, guess what? We're charging a thousand dollars a year now for you to be keep keep your stuff on here or whatever right. i like to keep my own site going yeah i mean i mean i know nate sweet i wouldn't think the byu guys would hack your site just to take it down that's <laughs> <laughs> a little covert operation there, yeah huh? yeah 
<laughs> you gotta know what's going on over there in Utah. Jesus, those guys are sneaky. <laughs> you, my friend, no. I appreciate it. If I ever make myself out to Tennessee, I'm definitely gonna meet meet up with you and buy you a beer and a dinner. Oh yeah, I love it. You or anybody that's here, I'm always happy to host and, and have people around. Okay. Talk shop. All right. You're the best, man. I appreciate your time, Steven. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Stephen Bridges. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the like button and become a subscriber to the podcast. Remember, you can follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.